Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Teacher Talk with me, Phil Bourne and Charlie Yates. Uh, this week we are joined by two soon-to-be ECTs who have worked with us at school over the past six months or so. We are going to look today at the uh, issues created by COVID-19 and their particular impact on uh, initial teacher training. And we are going to do this by uh, looking over uh, an article written by Linda Lavelle et al. Uh, titled initial, initial Teacher Education in England and the COVID-19 Pandemic Challenges and Opportunities. Uh, the, the two ECTs in, uh, that I mentioned earlier are Selma. Hi, it's nice to be here. And Rufus. All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week, and hopefully we have uh, lots of fruitful discussions on this topic. So, Rufus Salma, both two historians that have worked at the Joe Richardson uh, History Department during your training year. Um, Salma was with us from, I want to say, January? Yeah, about then. And Rufus is joining us next year from September as an ECT. Now, the first thing I want to do, because obviously you, you both use the same training route, you've both gone through the IOE. I just wanted to ask what your experience was of your training year and maybe if you could you know give some insight into how covid or how you felt covid might have affected it uh, rufus i don't know if you want to start us off yeah sure no um quite odd really um sort of going from a lockdown complete lockdown into a uh, school um, yeah. with the first sort of placement um because i wasn't even exposed to anyone and then you go into a school environment and there's loads and loads of people there um so that was quite odd within itself um, and then at the school, there were all these sort of meant to be all these sort of regulations. I was at the school in North London about one-way systems and mm. uh, mask wearing and all that stuff. And it wasn't really being adhered to very mm. much. So it was kind of chaotic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it was quite, quite an odd experience. Uh, sorry, go on, Phil. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Did you see much difference between the two placement schools? So it, can you just set out, because some people may be unfamiliar with the PGC, but can mm. you set out kind of a timeline of, uh, September, start university, and then kind of where the placements uh, felt for that. Yeah, so you start university in, uh, I believe, uh, September? Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, yeah, September. September you start it, and then you don't go into your placement school, in, uh, placement school until October, is that right, or is it November? November, November yeah. Later than usual, because the schools, they decided to give the schools extra time. Yeah. But actually what we learned later was, it was up to the university departments and some departments were outvoted than others because they saw that get us in early so that we have more chance because that was when the lockdown and the self-isolation will happen mm. at the end. So particularly with history department at UCL, they were they anticipated that and they were quite annoyed that we didn't get a chance to come in earlier. So we got in at November and only mm. had like a month. Because placement one was shortened, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so then it was, it was with placement one until Christmas. And then uh, after Christmas, was you in school after Christmas as well? Yeah, placement one. No, no. Yeah. so it was back to university back then. To university. And then when did placement two start? February. And that was obviously right bang in the kind of the third lockdown <laughs> yeah. at that time, I think. I think. Yeah. Losing count. Yeah. I mean, actually, I started my second placement teaching online. Yeah. So I, I taught online for three weeks of my first placement, I think. Okay. Uh, of my second placement, yeah. Okay. So what we've got there, I think, is we've got a nice, because we will come back to that, and I think what we'll ask is, is upon reflection of this article, maybe how COVID do you think has affected your teaching practice, maybe some anxieties that might have come up over the next couple of years, uh, yeah, future teaching yeah. Uh, uh, once you become an ECT. 
Uh, Salma, did you uh, have any, were there major differences between your two placements to balls in terms of the ways in which they approach COVID? What was that challenging? Because I imagine if you go into a school in the normal year, you know, two, two schools, they're pretty much, they may have different sort of behaviour things and there might be different policies, but you pretty much know you're going to go in and there's kids moving around to classes. Did you see much difference between the two placements? Yes, because... Um... Usually at UCL, they try to give you two contrasting placements, but because I've got underlying health condition, they might, they wanted to have my commute shorter, and because I, mm. I drive, it's a bit easier. So both of my schools were literally Barking and Dagnum, mm. my first one not too far from this school. Um, that school had a three-week rolling timetable, wow. so all the kids were in, the cl in one class. They'd just leave for a break and then lunch, then come straight back, and so it was two and a half hours. So that was a per, per lesson per lesson wow. two lessons in a day nice and you wouldn't once you tap history you wouldn't see them again for three weeks so it was quite hard to gain a relationship with them because yeah. after yeah. three weeks it was just like never see them again and near the end that's when a lot of isolation would happen so mm -hmm. then it's just like oh, i've lost a lot of teaching opportunities but it was still interesting to see how they managed to cope with covid and different schools are doing different things to try and help and they just did the best of what they could they've got three sites and a yeah. lot of students <laughs> so they're like how are we going to manage to contain this with the teachers as well so it was quite interesting with my first placement and the second placement obviously here um at jorich um interesting again because it for me it seemed a bit more lax because even though they also have students in different blocks and they do move around a bit and the one I did find shocking was um, break time because you still have your seven and your eight kind of together and then mm. your nine also coming in when your seven and your eight are trying to get back to class. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even though you're trying to like maintain COVID, it's, sometimes it's just impossible yeah, and you just difficult. have to try and get on with it. Okay, so uh, now if we sort of apply the article to the experience uh, that you guys have had in, in placement, we can see if the you know the two match up. Now, a quick kind of um, overview of the article. Uh, they basically sum up at the end that there are two major impacts uh, from COVID on teacher training on uh, initial teacher training. Uh, the first kind of positive is that teachers had a lot more time to uh, reflect on the theory behind teaching, look at the pedagogy, do more reading do the stuff which you often don't have a, a, enough time to do whilst you're on placement, and that was kind of the, the major benefits, uh, versus the challenge of having less uh, time practising the actual craft of teaching in, uh, in front of a classroom. Now, the article hasn't got loads of uh, hard data. It's, uh, it's conversations between four... Um, it's four universities. Yeah, four universities and, their, and what, they, what they provide... Um, and a lot of it is 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 anecdotal. Um, I would. Well, we're not we're not going to see the impact until no. the next couple of years. So I think I think it's more of a case that this article is trying to inform us of what we can expect maybe a little bit later on. Yeah, they they also that was a bit I was trying, trying to get to my my, my mind went blank. <laughs> uh, they they also focus on the 2019-2020 cohort. So this is not Salma and Rufus. They were the were a year later. Uh, and they talk about the kind of the really sudden um, uh, changes that that courses had to make. Whereas when Sam and Rufus did it, they had a year under their belt and they were kind of a bit more familiar with some of the technology. So we can see if again if that has improved within the within the year. 
So guys, regarding this article and obviously reflecting on your time uh, as a trainee through the IOE, I just want to ask you how you're feeling coming into a role at a school where essentially you've had that training that's been disrupted by COVID and hopefully by September, you'll have a career that, that isn't hampered by, by, by any of those restrictions. So I just wanted to know any anxieties, any positives you think have come out of that. And Sam, if I could start with you, what, what are your thoughts coming into a new job? Surprisingly, maybe I'm quite excited actually to yeah. start off as a ECT teacher, I'm trying to remember we're not NPTs anymore, <laughs> but ECT teachers. But yeah, I'm quite excited to have my own classroom, have the freedom to actually implement a lot of the stuff that I've been learning in theory and in practice on both placements and be able to build on that. Because I think one of the good things about going through PGCE route and having a really close relationship with our tutor is them always emphasizing that this is still a learning process. You're not going to get everything in your first year, your second year, your third year, mm -hmm. your fourth. So I know that going into ECT with the new added benefits or safety nets that they put in for us, I know this is still just an extension of our training year. So going in with that mindset has reduced a lot of anxieties of what I might not know or, or might not be ready for, but I know that if I prepare myself as much as I can and I have a supportive mentor, I shouldn't worry too much. But of course, there are still going to be anxieties or stuff I haven't done because I have, we've done classroom teaching, but the other roles that fulfill a teacher pastorally, having mm. gotten duties, having gotten how to help with sports day, helping with after school clubs, all that is still completely blank. Yeah. And that is the thing that I want to assist in, but I have no idea how to start. So I think stuff that is outside of the classroom, I think, are, are things that I'm most worried about, I think. Well, I think that's a really positive attitude to go in with. And I think that's, I think that's going to be the key for that, for that cohort is how you approach it. Because you can, if you go in with the sort of doom and gloom attitude, you know, losing so much time and having that as a, as the biggest factor, you, you're already on the, on the back foot. So I think it's a really, really positive attitude to uh, approach it with. I, I want to talk a little bit about the specifics then of what's being said, because I, again, I agree, positive attitude, and I think you're right. And I think it's kind of along the lines of what's being argued in this article in the sense that you've got that idea of what a school looks like and what a school feels like, but the application of certain things hasn't quite been there. So, so Rufus, I'm going to come to you. Um, one of the main arguments of this article is that actually reflection upon teaching and learning and pedagogy and, and reading and research was emphasised because of that time off and because you were given that independent reflective stage. Um, do you feel like that was your experience or, or do you maybe feel like something's been missed here via Undo et al? Well, I mean... It talks about that, doesn't it? It says that, you know, we've got a lot more time to sort of read all the pedagogy and all the sort of academic stuff. But if you don't have, if you don't apply that, applying it is incredibly different to just reading it. Because mm -hmm. in reality, we can read anything um, um, sort of pedagogy based. If we don't have the chance to apply it, then we don't actually know what it's like. Mm. Um, and I know there's a lot of stuff that we haven't really been able to apply anyway because of COVID restrictions. So one thing that we haven't been able to do is group work, which is something that's quite sort of, uh, which is used quite a lot by teachers, yeah. which we haven't been able to do in our training year at all. Um, so there's, yeah, there's like, I, I mean, yeah, I'm a bit torn about that. I, I think, yeah, we've, we've got to read a lot, but I think maybe the application, being able to apply those things would have been more beneficial or just, or just seeing them working, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like, um, I think I used this analogy the other day. It's a bit like trying to get your license and I can read the highway code, but reading the highway code doesn't mean that I can account for vehicles that are, are going too fast. And so I, I think you're right. 
that skill of adaptation that is necessary to make sure you're, you're a really well-rounded teacher has maybe gone amiss. I think some of the examples that we use are things like AFL, um, it, it's gone missing because when we're teaching virtual classes, we haven't had that, um, haven't had that opportunity, uh, relationship building, things like that. Do, do you not think that, well, everyone's in that position, all the, you know, NQ, uh, ECT, sorry, and the trainees right. are, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> are in that position, schools are going to know this, yeah. mentors are going to know this. It's not like it's a unique situation for, for individuals. So actually, when they come in, there will be a bigger, you know, support, hopefully. Well, it's what, you know, what Salma said. Yeah, hopefully there's a bigger support. Now, we can then really, I think schools have to have an understanding of that, that when they do come in, or potentially they may know a bit more. They may be a bit more clued up than some of the older, you know, NQTs who didn't spend as much time. Because that is the classic thing on the PDCE when you are, you know, you've got your 10 lessons a week and you absolutely obsess about everything within that lesson and everything else goes out the, the, the window and you get around to the end of the placement and you've got this like massive essay to do and it gets done in the, in the, in the half term and <laughs> yeah. they and you haven't really given it the the, the you know the thought about it and, and you know why that happens because because it is important to be in the classroom but now they you know you have had that that more time to reflect and i don't know whether long term we might see some benefits of uh students who are more reflective because Definitely, we have you know staff who don't who don't engage with that and, and don't mm. and, and don't kind of do those kind of things because it, you know it's a um, it's a it's a time sensitive. Yeah, you got bogged down. You, you, exactly. you got books to mark. You yeah, got, exactly. And that all that all. Uh... So I, I I don't know if that's gonna gonna bring about you know great change. It's almost like programming, I guess. Mm-hmm. You've, you've you've got all the right kind of uh, numbers in place, the codes there, you know, you've got the pedagogical understanding. Does that mean in the long term when you are on your ECT training, because you've got that understanding, things come a little bit more naturally? I think that's what you're, what you're yeah. saying. I, think I also think it's, it was quite good for our uh, PGCE. A lot of our assignments are tied into practicing in classroom stuff. So a lot of our assignments are based on the teaching and the reading that we've done. Right. So for our first assignment was on general practice, so picking either dialogue, um, reading or writing. So reading about that, implement it in the classroom, then writing your assignment on it really does help actually reflect mm. on your teaching and how can you realistically actually add all this research into a classroom. Because a lot of the stuff you read is like, yeah, but I don't have time for that in the classroom. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Same with our second assignment on creating an inquiry. Like this is all great, but sometimes you you just have to really cut it down to bare bones and like what can I actually do in the classroom, which might disappoint the university side because they're like, oh, we want you to keep that as like you to keep the research minded and like we can, but as a teacher we don't have the time. Mm. So what can we realistically keep in and still stay on side of our research? Mm. It's it's another it's another kind of point to to the argument Phil's making then I guess that actually not just the reading and researching but the reflection as well yeah i mean how how often are we self-critical enough how often are we yeah. do, do we actually look at details of our lessons that have gone well have not gone well that we want to improve i want to go off on a slight tangent because of one of, of the, course one of the things that they don't pick up on and i think this is one of the key differences between the like a pgc route and maybe a skip route mm. now the skip uh you know we had a skip training this year yep. they spend a lot of time in school and they are dealing with... You know, well, they're practically a full-time Exactly, exactly. Now, I, I did a PGCE, and one of the things that I found really beneficial was the support network of my fellow PGCE students. Now, that that was, whether that was kind of meeting 
back at the you know the student union bar on the on the Friday after a week in, in placement, uh, or you know those kind of conversations that went you know went through meeting up at university and, and things like that. Did that was that still apparent on for for you guys or? Um, did it get hampered a little bit by by the restrictions because there wasn't as many face-to-face meetings? Uh, have you created a network of support um, from the, from this year? Really, got yeah. Rufus, if no, yeah, no. I'd say I'd say it's definitely been hampered. I mean, I think I think we only sort of got a group of friends going in the last two months or something. Okay. Um, I, I only really had one friend on the course uh, from the beginning. It was really difficult to make friends and network with people, especially online. Yeah. Um, and, and going in was quite odd. But then we did make a fast group of friends at the end then, I think. I mean, obviously, Salma sort of got me the job. <laughs> uh, because without her support, I really doubt, you know, you would have taken one look at my cousin. And said, <laughs> That's, he's not for us. But she managed to uh, trick you guys into getting me a job, which is great. But, um, yeah, what have you done? No, no, I'm here now. You can't get me out. So. Um, yeah, no, so I think we did build up a, a good sort of friendships at the end. But, uh, yeah, for, you know, it's pretty crap. Yeah, same at the beginning, it was really, really tough. You have maybe one person that you, you go to, like, okay, what are we doing? What do mm. the tutor just say? And then you, over, I know, over the year, you're like, okay, this is my person to go to. And then finally, um, and it was really disappointing because near Christmas time, the government was like, oh, yeah, we're going to return you back to normal, and we back to face-to-face, and then that didn't happen. And that Never trust shattered, the government. Yeah. <laughs> and then so after Easter, when we're finally in face-to-face, and with our cohort, we were actually split into two groups. Yeah. So we didn't even meet the other mm. half of our oh, history wow. group until yeah. the end. Yeah. And it was just, and then when we finally met, we could finally share our stories and our shared like, practices. That's the point, yeah, the ideas, like, yeah. Thank you, give me all your ideas. We yeah. need it. And then we, even me and Rufus, we're just like, we were recently like, oh, you're actually all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> some, some uh, PGC, PGC students were even more isolated than others. I was quite yeah. blessed in my schools where I'd be placed with other PGC yeah, students from, yeah, yeah. from different yeah. um, subjects. So I had like made friends with maths, uh, a really good uh, maths teacher. But I know some people were just on their own, on a desk with in the middle of night, just with no one to talk to, no other PGC. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was tricky for some people. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I just, um, yeah, because for, for me, that was, and moving into my NQT year, that was probably my biggest network of support. And um, yeah, it was just just interesting thought on it. One of the positives on top of maybe a great reflection on pedagogy and great reflection on a trainee's, you know, actual experiences was this push for teachers to understand the virtualization of uh, learning uh, and teaching. And what that basically means is what we were doing at the start of this lockdown, which was moving our lessons onto a medium like Teams and turning something that was a physical lesson into an online um, setting. Now, we're not going to talk too much about that, but I just wanted to outline what the positives are uh, from this article. Essentially, what we, we now have and what we will see from the ECTs coming into our schools is actually they've got a language and maybe an understanding of an online forum of learning that teachers that have gone through that process before haven't had. So obviously, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that COVID was a great thing to happen, but that might have pushed teachers down an avenue that we were already, you know, supposed to be heading in any way. And it's maybe pushed the DFE, maybe pushed us as practitioners to understand the different ways that learning can be accessed on a more um, online basis. Now, obviously, I'll send this article out anyway, and you'll be able to read through that yourself, and it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. But I kind of wanted to move the conversation towards the pandemic in general 
and whether or not universities have adapted better the second time around to the first time. I think when lockdown one hit, we're all a little bit up in the air. We didn't really know what to do. Um, I definitely can say that I didn't know what to do. But I think second time, we actually had a bit more of a strategy. And I just wondered, uh, Rufus and Salma, did you see that maybe there are things put in place that perhaps hadn't been the first lockdown? Uh, were the universities better prepared? Did you feel like there was a, a, a battle plan in place? Uh, yeah, the first thing that universities told us when we actually started was like, don't worry, this time when a lockdown happens, you won't just be sitting at home doing nothing. Nice. You will still be a teacher and you'll be transitioning into, into online learning. Because I mm. think that was the letdown with the universities last time. They had no idea, no advice from uh, no. departments. They had no idea what to do. And uh, in the article, they're talking about how they wanted to have like equity things. So some uh, students were probably helping out at their placement school online, whereas other students had nothing. Yeah. So they were trying to balance, oh no, how do we make sure that everybody's on the equal playing foot? Whereas this time around, we a lot of our sessions, like our whole group cohort sessions were online. Um, a lot of our tutorials, either online or in-person, and the in-person ones were much better because we just felt that we were actually learning useful things that we needed to learn whereas if you're at home you're just reading an article mm. going into your in a little less up, guided a little less guided into your groom set uh, zoom sessions and you're just like are we doing the right thing here <laughs> i'm not sure what do you think Winters? yeah i mean i think in some ways they seem quite prepared mm -hmm. especially with this sort of uploading all the documents we needed to like sharepoint yeah and i thought yeah. that was great because like if, if there was something like i was like oh what was that article on dialogue or something and i could go grab it really easily um but then i think yeah, I think, I think it was quite good. From what I've heard from last year, it sounded very unorganized. Um, uh, but this year, it seemed, they seemed like they sort of had things up to scratch. I think they took the same pattern as schools, really. Look at, if you look at the quality of education that we provided first time versus second time, mm. staff were better prepared. Uh, we had a, 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 you know, a consistent um, policy that we could, we could implement. And it, it kind of makes sense that they were, they were better on that second time around. So we're now coming to the end of our conversation. Uh, the first thing to do is to thank both uh, Salma and Rufus for joining us today. So thank you very much. Uh, I think I would like to finish off uh, our discussion by asking you uh, this question. Uh, what's one thing that you're most looking forward to uh, starting in your schools in September? Let's start with Salma. What am I looking forward to? Mm, have my own classroom. Yeah. Um, having my own classroom, getting to know my students, um, hopefully being an okay teacher. I'm no, not, you'll be fine. I've seen you'll be fine. Um, it will be weird not having, actually, what am I saying? No, actually, being on my own and not having a mentor always mm. there. So you're not always second guessing your teaching. You're like, is yeah. that okay? Is that okay for him? Instead of being like, was that okay for me and for my students? Yeah. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to. Right. And Rufus? Yeah, kind of, well, I wouldn't say odd, but I'm looking forward to circulating the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so sick of being stuck at the front of the room in a little box and not being able to move around. So I'm looking forward to being able to circulate the room and just, yeah, yeah, and get to know my students a bit better. Um, it's been weird just seeing them all years with their masks on, yeah. not knowing what they look like. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah, no true. idea what, what my students look like in my placement school. And then at the end of the year, they took their masks off. And I was like, who, who are these people? <laughs> like, I've never seen them before. Um, yeah, so getting to know my students better now. Hopefully being a good teacher. Yeah, great. You'll yeah. be great. Right, fantastic stuff. So that was initial teacher education in England and the COVID-19 pandemic. 
challenges and opportunities. So what we've learned from that is that while application has maybe been limited, the programming, the understanding of pedagogy, the reflection and research has been one of the standout um, features of COVID-19, one of the positives, as well as that moving of teaching from a practical forum to an online forum, which probably would have been the case anyway. Salma and Rufus, once again, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.